Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Johnny Carson once interviewed Betty Davis and asked if she had any advice for young starlets wanting to get ahead in Hollywood. She suggested take Fountain. Fountain Avenue runs parallel to Santa Monica and Sunset Boulevards in Hollywood and is often used to avoid the heavier traffic. And isn't that what we're all after? A smooth run, no hold-ups, not only in traffic, but also in life. How do people handle those hold-ups, the rejections? How do they create a life in the entertainment capital of the world? How do they identify and express their uniqueness in a place where hundreds of thousands are hoping to do the same? Welcome to Take Fountain. Compelling stories from passionate people who've made it, are making it, in Hollywood. Writers, comedians, actors, filmmakers. I'll talk to anyone with a story to tell. Welcome to Take Fountain, a podcast of passionate people working on their dreams. Compelling stories from Hollywood. Your host, Ella James. And in such a Hollywood way, I'm in a house in the Hollywood Hills, in the canyons, with Australian-American actor Felicity Price. Thank you for your time today. My pleasure entirely. I was excited. I saw something that you did. Um, there was an article about you on the Australians in Film Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I thought, oh, she's got the magic. I've got to talk to her about Aww. the magic. Let's go through the basic stuff. The Australian audience is going to know you from Always Greener, Rescue Special Ops, Home and Away. Oh, those things were all kind of guest roles, so perhaps they were. <laughs> they may, may indeed not know me from that. But um, uh, we, I made a film called Wish You Were Here, which my husband and I co-wrote and he directed and I starred in it um, with Joel Edgerton and... Um, Teresa Palmer and Ant Star. The poster's actually in the other room. But um, so that was kind of, that did quite well for us in Australia. Yes. And um, that also brought us over here because the film went to the Sundance Film Festival and um, we, we actually opened the Sundance Film Festival and then we, uh, we had a theatrical release here. And I guess we got a lot of, um, we, I mean, you know, we did zero box office here because really there was no advertising, and it was, a, you know, an art, considered an art house film. Mm. But um, uh, we got a well and truly enough kind of critical and kind of industry success and, and sort of renown, if it's probably not the right word, but you know, like a, people knew of us and what we'd done. A recognition, yeah. 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 Um, enough that we. We moved, you know, we, and, and we knew that we wanted to move anyway. That was kind of in our minds when we were making that film mm. because there are 
you know, really greater opportunities within the film industry and, like, you know, certainly now the television industry is just massive yeah. over here. So that – and we were just kind of adventure seekers as well. We wanted to spend a and bit of time the somewhere else. And the we is your husband, Kieran Darcy-Smith. Yes, okay. that's right, yeah. And he's a – Writer, producer, director, actor? Was he an actor? Yeah, so he was an actor for 15 years. And then I guess you know what it's like in Australia for most actors. There's not not necessarily a constant, you're not necessarily constantly busy working as an actor. So there's plenty of time to self-create. And I think that's actually one of the fantastic things about being an actor in Australia is that you it's really an environment that encourages you to write plays and write films and and just create work and write television and so he at that time like a you know we're talking many years ago now um, when he graduated from drama school he started a, a company which is people might know called Blue Tongue Films. That's with Joel Edgerton. That's with Joel okay. and his brother Nash and um, it was another with and at the time Nash was a stunt guy and Joel and Kieran had graduated from drama school and they were actors and there was another stunt guy that they did it that they formed this company with um, and they were just making like short films on the fly and that was I guess the beginning of what became Tropfest and and you know they the that short film that culture of making short films in Australia sort of grew from around that time so they were right at that beginning they were just making almost like showreels for themselves of yeah. themselves doing stunts and 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 those films became popular and won awards and um I guess then Kieran decided to sort of well just kind of naturally morphed from being an actor into being a writer and Mm. a director and the and he'd written a number of scripts and then and I at the same time was an actor and the same thing was creating a lot of my own kind of work Mm. I remember we I put on a play not that I'd written but I put on I produced a play at Downstairs Belvoir right and with Richard Sydenham who's a amazing actor uh, who I'd worked with on a Belvoir, a Company B production called Small Poppies. And then we'd done the touring show of Small Poppies. And then I, you know, I'd produced that play and was in it with him. It was a two-hander. And I was writing and writing. I was in an, a, 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 a cabaret, a comedy sort of a cappella cabaret group called the Aphrodisiacs. And we were putting on shows, cabaret shows. And I was also, meanwhile, writing films, which can take a long a long time of kind of gestation at that stage because you're working you you're really sort of learning the craft so yep. I was learning the craft did so. you actually study it not yeah. at all okay no so I mean is, acting I studied yes of course screenwriting but I didn't. screenwriting it's I think that's um I find it really interesting um I always I always felt that in order to to be able to do something artistic that you need to have the basic you need to go and, and study. But what I'm what I'm learning from some great artists is, in fact, that that's not the case, that writing begets writing. And the more you write, the better you get. The easier it does not get, but the better you get at, at doing it. I think it does get a bit easier as well, unless you've got some kind of writer's block where you just can't come up with an idea. But if you've got that kind of structural knowledge, but yeah, I mean, look, of course, I imagine there's amazing creative writing courses that helps numerous people, but there's a lot of books you can also read that Mm. just kind of help, help you sort of understand film structure. Um, And I'm sure television structure, I haven't, I haven't got into to 
to studying television writing, but I did do a lot of reading on on those kind of film yeah, books, yeah, yeah. film yeah. writing books. And then there's also like um, Stephen King has a book called On Writing, and in, in that book, you know, basically the big takeaway from that book is if you want to write, go into a room, shut the door, and write. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how you'll write, and you'll basically dig the story up. You'll just dig and dig and dig and dig, mm. and eventually you'll dig up the story. Yeah. And so I'd written a number of scripts, and I think that the, the my mistake certainly, and I think it's a mistake of a lot of, well, if not necessarily a mistake, but a kind of a starting that where a lot of young writers start, is that I was writing, you know, films with big budgets and, you know, lots of um, kind of big set pieces or... And I, too many I, locations just, yeah, just to do characters that. and all yeah. that and then I just kind of got really realistic and I thought okay I want to make a film I want to make it in five years not ten you know and so I one day after you know having gone through many different ideas I just kind of thought I'm getting out of my desk out I'm getting out of my chair I lay on my couch and I just kind of lay there and really within a matter of minutes this story just like boom, fell into my head. Mm. And that was the story that became Wish You Were Here. So okay. I, I wrote a treatment then and then Kieran was, this is before we had kids and Kieran was um, writing some other stuff, but he was a little stuck because he'd had one film that he'd really worked on for 10 years that hadn't got made. And so I think that can be frightening when you spent put that amount of work in, mm. 10 years worth of work in. And it, and it just was a little bit too big, to, to the budget was a little bit too big and he wasn't going to be able to fund it in Australia. Um, so we, and that film may happen, you know, some other time now, but so I went in and I told him this story and then eventually, he, I think maybe after I'd written the treatment, he said, this is the one, let's, let's, mm. let's do this. Let's write this together. What's it like? I mean, have you been married before? Mm-mm. No. So <laughs> what's it like being married to somebody in the industry? Um, well, so she says, I don't know, Ella. What's it like being married to somebody who's not in the industry? <laughs> yeah. Something, I mean, I think it's great because you can share many creative ideas and really, I mean, you know, actors are kind of usually pretty complicated people. So is any creative, any artist really is usually pretty complicated people and I think it's helpful to have a person, another person who's an artist to kind of comprehend you and understand you and sort of navigate, help navigate you through, we help each other navigate through some of the rockier phases of, of that creative and very insecure life. Yeah. Um, but we, and, and we have worked in, obviously very closely together because we, we spent four years writing Wish You Were Here and then we worked together in, in the production and, and, you know, I was in it and he was directing it. Um, but I guess that significantly he's not an actor with ambition to be an actor. He, he really has a completely different ambition, which is very much based in being a director. Okay. Um, so we do have different, you know, even though we're in the same same industry we're different yeah. we've kind of got different um different we're goals striving and, a different, different yeah. for different what, things what is your what is your goal now and has it changed you've been here since 2012 is that right uh yeah we 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 now let me think no not 2012 we moved in sorry my <laughs> my timing could be out but i think we were in sundance in 
Oh, no, I think you're right. I think it was 2012. I think we went to Sundance in 2012 in it the beginning. when the interview has done your bio. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Oh, did I write that in? Allow okay, me great. to remind you of your children's birthdays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I think, I, yeah. But we, Sundance it was in 2012, then we went back to Australia, released yep. the film, and then we yep. moved later on in okay. 2012. So, so let's talk about you because your your background was an actor, then you became a writer, producer, creating your own yeah, content. Yeah. What has your, oh, I hate the word dream, but what has your, has your dream changed at all? Um, I think it's just become way more well-rounded and I'm just interested in having more power than you necessarily, more creative input and more power than you necessarily have as an actor. I mean, yeah. I love, I love being an actor and it's so wonderful just to go on the set and, and, and just kind of be just an actor, you know, like yeah. um, being a wonderful actor, you can just concentrate on your own character. And I, you know, I once heard a quote by, I can't remember who actually, but there's, these guys, they work, it might have been like the Duplass brothers or something who, you know, create their own work, but they also work as actors on other people's projects. Mm. And I think it was them. And if it wasn't them, I'm sorry to misquote them. It was someone else. But it was, they said, you know, being being a, a director, a producer, like a creator of the project, it's like you're the parent. It's your baby. The project is your baby. And being an actor is like being the fun uncle who comes along who's got, you know, candy in his pockets and he's just mm. sort of passing it around and you can kind of come and then you can go, bye, see you later and go home. So How being an actor get- is super fun, but I love the the deep creative involvement where I get to have more of a say in where the project's going. How do you get power in Hollywood? Oh, I think you have to create the work and and um, produce it as well. But I think that the lucky thing for me is when we did Wish You Were Here, I was the writer and I was the actor. And normally for a writer, you, you, you write it and then basically you step away. But because that was kind of a family project, you know, it was like my husband was directing it. Um, we had some very good friends that were actors in it who knew the script from who'd known the script the whole way um but mainly because my husband was the director I was able to be much more closely involved with the uh, certainly the creative production side of it certainly I was not producing uh, that was Angie Fielder completely you know she was the only producer on that on that film but I was watching um picture edits and I was you know giving feedback and I was um, listening to sound mixes and and uh you know I was very involved in the and that casting. was in Australia oh that all was, all yeah, was yeah, in yeah. Australia which is different from here well but the my film so so then I wrote and I've I, over the past six years really I've been writing another film which is called Love Struck yes and I um I this the, the and and, it's, and I've just been through a six month uh, script development process with my producers who are amazing, and um, and now we're going out to cast and I am a producer on this so I think um, here it, it, you know being a producer is you know often there will be many producers on a project and so i think if you are a creator it's almost a kind of a natural step that you would be mm. a producer there are places you visit and places you behold full of natural wonders that beckon with the promise of a feeling you haven't felt in a long time a feeling you're in the right place immersed in a moment you never want to end it's here in west virginia 
From lush rolling hills to quiet streams and unexpected adventures, a place full of mystery and endless fascination, a place that's almost heaven. Find your version of heaven at wvtourism.com. This is Take Fountain with Ella James. What's the so what's the process for people who don't know Hollywood at all? They they go and they pay for a ticket and they watch a movie. What's the process? You 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 write a movie, then what do you do with it? Well, when it's ready, um, you start to show it to people. Uh, I, I mean, there are kind of platforms to just receive feedback if you do just want some feedback. There's a blacklist. You can go on the blacklist website. You can pay them. You can you can. Um, I can't remember the terminology, but you basically they host your script or you pay them to yep. sort of put your script up on the site and then you can pay them for feedback and they'll have a yep. reader and they mm. and they score your script. So you you get it you get you might get some feedback from someone and then they might give you a they give you an out of ten ranking overall and then they give you like for character, for tone, for yep. for, for, for structure. So they give mm. you, so you can do that if you just want to start getting getting an idea of how would my and if I've only done it once but the feedback was really quite exceptional, I thought. It's fairly brief. It's not super detailed, but they give you a really good they're, they're very good readers, um, and well, from my experience, and um, that that's kind of one way. And I'm sure there are many others. Yeah. There are also people that you know do script consultancy for fees, and you. And can then get there that. are just those moments where you meet somebody. And then there are moments when you meet people. And when I I and then there's your friends, you know, mm. who, especially friends that are in the industry that do have some knowledge of filmmaking, or if it's TV that you're writing of. of making TV, and then you can just show it. Start. I mean, I just say show it to people, but wait till it's ready because it's hard to get a read out of people. I mean, I, well, they it takes a while. A they get yeah. asked a lot. Yeah, and they, and so. people are busy and they have a lot yeah. going on. Mm. So really that's that's why you can use the blacklist and perhaps pay a script consultant to, to, to give you some feedback. Mm -hmm. Make sure it's ready. Don't go out to people with your first draft because that you, you waste that read. Yeah. That person probably isn't going to read it again, especially if they were like, oh, gee, I didn't really like that. But, um, yeah, so, and, and also, of course, you know, you can grab a camera and make a film and just sort of work on your own kind of Well, it was the Duplass brothers that did Tangerine on an iPhone. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And there's another film. I didn't actually see it, but I've heard it's fantastic and I really want to see it. It's called Frisky and an Australian... Oh, gosh, I saw it. Did you it. see it? Yes. You went to the screening She's at amazing. AIA. Yeah. Uh, Claudia Pickering. Um, extraordinary. $5,000 budget. Mm. Um, and uh, she... But she is... She is everything that the industry is, and that is she is extremely talented mm -hmm. and supremely connected, mm -hmm. and she knows how to get the best out of people. She's not a user. She's mm -hmm. very genuine. Mm -hmm. um, they did a Q&A with her mm -hmm. via Skype after mm -hmm. the film, yeah, I heard and it was, really, it was really clever. Good. It was beautifully shot. She said um, once she had her DOP, because she was directing as well as the lead, mm -hmm. and she wrote it, mm -hmm. and, once she was, and once she was on set, uh, she said that that desire to direct the shot from, from the cinematographer or the DOP's perspective was removed because the, the, the DOP said, um, and they shot all of this on a Canon um, DSLR 6, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. 
and and so she just said, "Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. It's all it's all going to be fixed in um, in post. It's the colorization's going right. to yeah. uh, maybe. I'm not a filmmaker, so yeah. I'm not quite sure no, of the no, terminology. She's gonna it. Yeah, she's going to grade that. it. Right? She, she didn't mind that it looked and it they, looked they... amazing. Right, right. But it was a good story, and yeah. it rolled along. Well, that's and, the main you know. thing. Is the story is the main thing? Yeah, it's about having a script, um, and so. I, I don't know about that girl in particular, but mm. but it's just putting the effort and the time into the script. And that's something Kieran and I have always been very clear on. And I think um, with Screen Australia and our script went through a, a Screen Australia script development program called Aurora, and that was extraordinary for it. And we got to meet Ted Hope and Bruno Papandrea and, and some really extraordinary people. And um, they were all kind of, you know, important, giving feedback for the script. And that kind of thing, you, you do, you get to a point, of, you know, with my most recent script, I got to a point where I was like, I've done three drafts now and I really, I, I've, I've worked it on my own. I need, I now need a producer to be involved. Yeah. A strong creative producer. Unfortunately, there's, there's you know, I feel like a strong, strong creative producers are, a little bit few and far between in Hollywood. A lot of people are money people or they're um, they're not confident enough to have opinions and so you need to really find you I, yeah I mean a good I, playmate. Yeah, I mean for me I was extremely lucky with my current script so I found my producers very, very quickly. They're basically the first, you know, one of the first people I showed the script. Mm. But um, have you been in a position where one of them has turned and said, "No, take that out, move that, make the protagonist this, change this"? No, really, it was a pretty developed script when they got okay. it. Um, but they were very. Um, it's uh, so. It's, I, I have. I haven't said their names. It's Jean Julien Baronet and Lara Volishin. And Jean Julien had said. You know, this script is great. So he said, this is really good, but we can make it great. And so he just had a very high standard and just knew a lot about creative development. Did he bring somebody else in to punch it up or was it just something you worked no, out no, between no, no. you? We, okay. we did it. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did it. Yeah. I mean, I did all the writing, but he, we did script meetings and it was just always about character and why is that character doing that? So it was never about, oh, do this and do that in the yeah. script and it never should be from anybody um, it, unless they're a co-writer. But it was more like, just answer this question for me. What is the logic of that? And why is that character doing that? And yeah. if, well, oh, oh, I see. So you, so that's your intention. I just don't get that. For, you know, so can you are make you, that clear? Are you in this film? Yes. Okay. Do you, so how hard easy is it to either decide to write yourself in or write yourself out of something? Well, I would never write myself out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. Well, I know, I know, I know. Why would I do that? Well, interesting that you say. I mean, I'm, I'm just... I'd have to I'm, be forced out I'm, with, with a great deal of difficulty. I'm, um, I'm collaborating with somebody at the moment on a 10-part on a, a series, and, um, and uh, it's my story. It's something that as all stories are, have an autobiographical component to them or they, they come from your head anyway. Yeah, sure. But this is certainly, you know, um, something that I have experienced and other people have experienced and uh, around me. And, uh, and so, of course, it was so easy to, to write myself in. Yeah. And then as part of developing it, I, I flipped it around and, and 
took another character for myself. And then I actually wrote me out of it altogether because I thought I might just like to develop it looking well, in the outside. Yeah, you I know? mean, you know, it, I, I do think it's whatever's right for the project. Um, and I... I'm I'm also extremely practical. Like I haven't, it's not I'm not the lead role, and because we won't be able to finance it if I'm the lead role. And yeah. anyway, anyway, the lead role's a male, but um, it's it's you know I guess one of four or five kind of leads. It's one of one of four storylines, but it's not the main one. Mm. Um, and it's a five million dollar film, so it's a it's a small budget film. It's when people make write themselves as like the lead of a 30 million dollar film and they've got an they're an actor with no name it's just mm. it's, it's it's never going to get completely the, impractical get the money. it's just not going to happen yeah write yourself into i mean can you talk about who you've got attached to it yet or is it no I, I can't yeah because okay. my producer's just meeting him tonight in london okay. and we're, you know we'll, it's just who i couldn't do that mm. Yeah. Mm. it's so exciting though yeah. do you do, do you oh gosh i i think you see, you're working at the pointy end, you know. I'm, I meet people who, they have their dreams. They've arrived here from Michigan um, or, or somewhere and they've, they've got their, their education under their belt and they, they might have got a few guest co-stars. They're, they've got their representation. They've got their headshots. So they're, they're, we're talking about the dream phase, you know, yeah. but you're working at the pointy end. Let me go back a little bit, if I may, not back, just across to the side. As an actor, your experience of auditioning, how do you find the process? Are you, here yeah, in America? Here. Yeah. Um, okay, so I found it, 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 it is very different, different from Australia. I, I kind of find that Australian casting, I'd, I'd come from... Uh, building up a career in Australia you know I mean I I, I, I did plenty of theatre I, 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 I kind of knew all of the casting directors and there's really I mean I don't know how many literally there are but there's I, I there's only about six or mm. there's just there's not and many. And you're with Shanahan, still are with Shanahan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I kind of, it's a very friendly environment um, and you go into casting and they'll be like, hi, how are mm. you? You know, it's just like very, it's just very friendly. And they've called and, you in because they know you and they know. Who you exactly and they know are, the, they're probably called you in for something earmarked for something or, or, they've, or you know, they've called me for something that's very appropriate because they know mm-hmm. who you are yeah and then you come here now I've been here four and a half years now or actually nearly five years so I, I've, I've built over five years but um so I do know casting directors now and but not not that many compared to how many there are there mm. are like seem to be hundreds I mean I'm mm. going for things where I've just there'll be like a you know really top casting director and I'll be like I don't know them I've never met them before mm. you know um so you know when you first when I first my experience is when I first got here I was going out for a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. Also, I'd just come off a, a film that was fairly hot, mm. and so I was like, the the you know, one of the leads in this, you know, they're always looking in this town. They're it always was looking new, for the next, fresh, the next hot thing, and, the next hot thing. Yeah. So I was just being thrown against the wall for mm. so many different things. First of all, um, my agent at the time was like, well, you know, we won't send you for for 
pilot season, you know, we're just going to keep keep you only for the kind of <laughs> these kind of really good film roles. And they probably threw me against the wall for about six of those film roles that were all the not the lead but the kind of the best friend of the lead or the sort of you know the the sort of side one of the the kind of side characters and um and I didn't for whatever reason you know didn't get any of those and so then I kind of dropped down a tier and so then I was going out for like the next pilot season I was just going out for everything so I was sitting and you know La La Land it just makes me laugh so much because it's just exactly that thing where you go in and you're sitting in a room of a lot of other um, people that look exactly pretty similar to you. Yeah. You're all wearing something pretty similar, and you and you, you the doors closed, but you can hear them doing the same scene <laughs> that you're about to go right. in to do, which happens in in Australia as well. But I mean, it's just and and that you go in and they'll be like, yes, okay, right, all right, thank you. And it, right. and if it's just before lunch, you're stuffed. Oh, exactly. If they're I, hungry. I, they're not even looking at what you're doing. I've been in a casting where I, where I was the last person before lunch. I remember I went in. That, and sometimes, the, and this I've never experienced in Australia, and I haven't experienced it that much here, but when I first started going out, sometimes they don't put it on tape. Yeah. So you're just sitting with the casting director, and I remember this one guy, he just had his lunch delivered. Like someone had just put his lunch down next to him. He was just probably going to see me and then eat it. And he basically was looking at his lunch the whole time. <laughs> and I was just sort of reading. But I'm like, well, we're not taping it. You're not looking at me. What? I? Why am I? Yeah. What are, what's going on here? Um, so, I, you know, that can be sort of uh, daunting, but I think... And I think it's taken me a long time to just go, well, you just can't let that stuff get to you. No. I mean, you, you, just, no. you, you just have to sort of take it all with a grain of salt, have a, sort of a sense of humour about it. And one thing that I think this t- town teaches you is to, I mean, it either puts you, you either go through the washing machine and get spat out like half, half of what you were before or it makes you stronger. Yeah. And, and it helps you solidify what you want and, the, the, and how you're getting there and that you're not going to let any of those outside voices mm. affect you at all. Oh, one of the, one of the biggest things um, that I've found is explaining to people in Australia who aren't in the industry and who have got a little bit carried away with, Ella James is over 50 and she's left and gone to Hollywood. Wow. Right. <laughs> right? They're like, oh, you're so brave. And I'm like, bah, okay, but... You know, they don't understand that an audition is not like going for a job interview. Um, There are so many different reasons that you've been called in for that particular role. It might be that the casting director has heard about you and wants to see you and will get you to read for that role, but they may have already cast it. Or in my case, I've been put on hold for things or put on a veil or pinned or whatever the, the expression is that they've used. And then they've decided to go with somebody 20 years older, male and black. Yeah. You know, you, so it's, you, cannot, you cannot take it personally. And no, so yeah. when, when, you know, you say in an email to somebody in February, I've just been out for this really exciting audition and it's, it's, um, it was so good to do the work and I worked with my coach and it was wonderful. And then they'll email you and they'll say, so how did you go? And you're like, oh, gosh, I've had five more since then. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you, you don't know how you went unless you kind of got the job. Well, they don't give you a mark out of 10. No, no one's And gonna... you can never tell by what they say. No. They're and like I think poker all those players. Things, all those things, you know, can so easily get you down because you can second guess and you can wonder. But I think the, the for me the thing that I've learned is just to 
enjoy you know an audition and meeting someone and and the work and like the other thing is for for some time because I think in LA you can actually be extremely busy as an unemployed actor you can go in for a lot of auditions in Australia you 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 don't really I mean you know they kind of come I mean I don't I haven't been there for quite a long time but I mean mm. I remember it'd be like you know I would not go for something for months mm. um and also and the audience for this is not in Australia I mean there are a lot of Australians who listen to this podcast but they're all over the world yeah well here so. you can be it can be <laughs> you're kind of hilariously busy but you're completely unemployed <laughs> but you're you're employed like you're busy you're doing stuff and I think sometimes you can go I'm not going to really uh, well rather than talk about the negative of that I'll say I think what you need to do is nevertheless just pour yourself into the character. Mm. Just do it yeah, as if you are doing that job. As if this is you do, Because I'm, that is the work. That is the work, yeah. You can't hold yourself back from any element of it, even though you, you are guaranteed a lot of the time to get really nothing in return. It's mm. like you can't expect anything. You can't go, well, I really poured myself into this. When on earth am I going to get one of those jobs? You just... You can't. There's no. You can't have an expectation. You've got to fulfil your own expectations, mm. um, and not expect to be expecting anything from anyone else. And actually, you know, there are uh, casting directors who will be, you know, they're nigh on rude. Like they just kind of shuffle you in and out of the door so quickly, mm. and you do you kind of thirteen pages, with, <laughs> and you're like. <laughs> but there are others, many others, who are very appreciative and very um, respectful and love actors. They love their work. Right? They love their work and they also can really get behind you. And yeah. and the opportunities here are just they're, they're extraordinary. Yeah. Well, I wish you every success. Um, we're in the process. How, how long until we actually see... Um, I keep wanting to call it love, actually. It's love struck. Love struck, yeah. It's because my head's full of love, actually, because they're... Well, love actually is a great title, it, but unfortunately it's taken. It's taken, <laughs> right? Oh, sorry. That's like, that's such a faux pas. It's like calling somebody by the wrong name. No, I think um, we'll change our title anyway. So well, that, that happens. I mean, that's just happened with Atomic Blonde, the new Charlize Theron, right. which was called The Coldest City. I may have that wrong. Um, Atomic Blonde. I prefer Atomic Blonde is fabulous, <laughs> and all the the branding that they've done around that. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Edited by a friend of mine, Elizabeth Ronalds Dottier, who oh, wow. did uh, John Wick, uh, the first John Wick, right. and and is about to move on to Deadpool. But that's the thing about this town, right? You you meet people who are actually engaged in in doing it. That's one of the things and I love. And they become your tribe. That's one of the things I love. Not only is it, um, you know, you were talking about people are saying, oh, Ella's moved to Hollywood. How brave. Mm. Yeah. Sure, is brave. You are brave. But also you're just adventurous. And there's something. would have been just as brave had I moved to Wollongong. <laughs> just a little. I mean, you. Braver. Well, <laughs> you take yourself with you wherever you go. Uh, yeah. And that's what you, that's. I There's think much to be gained from being brave like that, but um, but sure, you know, you leave behind a lot of contacts and you leave yeah. behind like, leave behind a history of work, and that I guess is that is brave, I think, because you know those contacts mm. can just easily slot you into other work back in Australia, yeah. but. Um, but uh, I think it's adventurous. And one of the things that I love about being here is that you meet a lot of other people who are adventurous, mm. who've made that move with families, with you. And also you meet a lot of other people who are 
really quite accomplished in their work. Yeah. So you can be at parties and suddenly you're meeting someone who who um, curates and kind of runs one of the biggest art galleries in the city. And you and and you just um, also being an expat sometimes seems to do that. You're kind of drawn into. Oh, I'm everybody's pet Australian. Yeah, and so you do the voice, Ella. Do the voice, because right. I'm the GPS voice in in cars. Oh, I so that forms the basis of a lot of my stand up that I do, and, right. and so there's a lot of let's invite Ella because she does the voice. And I don't mind that. Oh, that's, that's great. So funny. Yeah, I'm opens, glad I know that. Now. Opens a lot of doors. Well, you know, I don't walk around saying it to people, but you'd know me as the taxis combined girl as well. Right. Confirming your order for a taxi from yet. Oh my God, it's her. Yeah. But look, I just I wish you all the best. I think Thanks, this is a it's a fabulous place for passionate people, mm-hmm. and if you can tap into that and um, and meet meet people who will take you up with them or along with them and at the same time you grab hands with somebody that you can take with you this is the town where that happens absolutely and that's it's it seems like a big town but really you know as everyone says it's actually a really small town and everybody kind of knows everybody and everybody knows the work that you've done and and especially as you do more work in, and you move into a place where you can kind of grab hands of some really great people and and pull other people along with you it's like a it's a it's a family you know it's a community mm-hmm. and um you you work you, you got to kind of hold close to those people that you love working with and that you're creatively inspired by um, it's like with my film at the moment, I really want to pull in, to, to make a film, it's a $5 million film, it's a small film, I really want to pull in people that are close and and because and, that's the way to make that kind of thing. That's right, yeah. Create that, you know, it takes a village. Yeah, right? indeed, and, and people that, that you know, know and love you and respect you and you know you're on a common journey. Mm. Um it can can is what makes it. They have a sort of spirit. Those small films, yeah. Um, and you need to kind of foster that spirit and have the right kind of people involved. Mm. Mm. It's been lovely meeting you, and 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 to meet you as well. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. Okay. You've been listening to Tate Fountain with Ella James. For more, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast at Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes, or your favourite podcasting app. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. From Audio Boom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies, soldiers, and top secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell. And together, we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify, or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows.